Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Today is Juneteenth. We want to acknowledge that here at the outset. I'm going to actually talk about that at the very conclusion of this hour. I want to share with you some uh, some things that I learned on a faith leaders call last night um, with the White House Faith Outreach Initiative Office. First of all, um, want to be sure that you are aware of the HHS Guide on Mental Health. Um, there is uh, there's all kinds of information available from HHS in terms of face coverings. And I didn't know if you were aware, but your church can get free face coverings um, from the government if you are intending to regather for worship and you don't have a sufficient number of face masks for, uh, for all of those who are going to be gathering. HHS wants to provide those um, for you. The president has also uh, laid out a roadmap to empower veterans um, to end what we're describing as not just a national tragedy of suicide, although that's the name of the uh, name of the piece that uh, that the president signed. It's called Prevents, Prevents, uh, the President's Roadmap to Empower Veterans and End a National Tragedy of Suicide. Uh, want to encourage you to check that out as well. Uh, want to celebrate the USDA Farmer to Families Food Box Program. If you're not uh, aware of that and you are a farmer, we certainly want you to be engaged. It's the USDA Food Box Distribution Program, and you can check it out at usda.gov. If you are in need of food, um, the same encouragement applies here. So on either side of this, if you are a farmer who would like to participate in the program, they are looking for uh, more folks who are interested in doing that. And if you are uh, certainly a point of distribution for food in your community, maybe you volunteer for a food bank, maybe you are a church that distributes food to people in the community, please check out what the USDA is doing in the food box distribution program, uh, looking for more points of distribution as well. The Small Business Administration is funding opportunities for faith-based organizations and houses of worship. So don't miss out on that if if you need some economic help uh, in this really crazy COVID-19 economic downturn, all of um, all of the resources that are being provided to every other organization are also available to um, religious employers, to houses of worship. And so the PPP Paycheck Protection Program, the Economic Injury Disaster Loans um, and uh, and other really other aids are available right now. And so just don't want you to miss out on that. Um, And so you can check all that out at the Small Business Administration which is also sba.gov. The president has issued a couple of executive orders that I want you to be aware of. One executive order on advancing international religious freedom, and then another signed into law, um, the the Uyghur Human Rights Act of 2020. That was just signed on June the 17th, and I don't think we've made mention of it here yet. So please check that out. The Uyghur Human Rights Act of 2020 now signed into law, designed to hold accountable the perpetrators of human rights violations and abuses, such as the systemic use of indoctrination camps, forced labor, and intrusive surveillance. 
um, very much that, you know, the Chinese are seeking to eradicate the ethnic identity and religious beliefs of the Uyghurs and other minorities in China. And we certainly have uh, highlighted that concern and issue here before on the program, but wanted to let you know uh, the government, ha- uh, the president has now signed the Uyghur Human Rights Act of 2020 into law. Next up, Matthew Hawkins will be here, public theologian, former policy director in D.C. for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Church. He's going to be here. We're going to talk about the Supreme Court's really landmark ruling related to DACA. That was just uh, issued yesterday. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening sky. Joining me now, Matt Hawkins. You can find him at MatthewTHawkins.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at MTHawk. Matthew, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? Good morning, sir. I'm well. I'm well. Okay, so um, it's been a busy week. (laughs) It's been a big week, especially at the court, but it's been a big week. All right, so... It's um, always a big week by Friday. (laughs) It is always a big week by Friday. That's totally true. All right. The Supreme Court of the United States upheld DACA, uh, ruling that President Trump's executive order, which overturned President Obama's executive order, um, was illegal. That this president didn't have, um, I guess, the right or didn't do it the right way. So what's your um, what's your sense of of this ruling? So backing up, DACA, D-A-C-A, is shorthand for a a law called – or a policy – called Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival. Uh, a lot of a lot of listeners may already know this, but for the sake of review, it basically says in the context of our immigration debate, um, which I could go on about for, for a long time, um, if you are a person who is uh, an illegal alien, uh, to use the legal terminology, uh, but if you came over because you were a minor, you were a child brought over by your parents, uh, say from Mexico or elsewhere. DACA basically is a, is a way, um, it's a administration, uh, it's a policy created by the Obama administration to say, look, we recognize that you were not culpable for breaking this law and we want to make sure that you're, you get some legal status here um, because uh, not being legal for no fault of your own um, is injustice and we want to make sure you are able to go to school and get a job and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, Now, the problem here is that Congress didn't do this uh, in the first place. It was an Obama administration policy. And when we were when I was in in Washington uh, working on Capitol Hill for Southern Baptists, uh, we cautioned uh, the Obama administration. We basically said, please don't do this in this way. Um, There are a lot of reasons for that. But mainly was we were trying to hold together a a coalition that was trying to get it done the right way in in Congress uh, and make a law that passed. 
that obviously has not happened. And so what you have here is uh, the world in which we live, Carmen, is a world in which uh, Congress, by and large, will not lead the nation um, by deliberating on uh, our biggest issues. And so that's why you see so many decisions from the Supreme Court, including this week, including uh, Bostock and, uh, and DACA. These are direct results of Congress not doing their job. Um, for the sake of the American people, um, because frankly, they would rather uh, keep their jobs on Capitol Hill than they would uh, making make tough decisions um, for the sake of law. So Obama uh, put forward this policy during his administration. And again, on the merits, I agree with it. Um, but Me too. Uh, it bad, bad, yeah, bad executive that's, that's orders part of my challenge, bad right? executive orders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bad pa- executive part of my challenge. Bad executive orders. Go ahead. We we support the the conversation behind DACA, and we actually you know like support yeah. that people who were brought here as children by no fault of their own should have the opportunity um, to become permanent residents, full time citizens, whatever the path is yeah. that everybody agrees should should be laid out. But there should be a path, and um, and yeah. they should be protected from deportation in the meantime. That's what DACA accomplishes. So I'm, this is part of the challenge. I think that when we raise concerns about what the Supreme Court did, we get this immediate backlash that we don't, you know, we don't love people and we're not interested right. in um, it, what you and I are trying to point out today is if Congress were willing to do the hard work of legislating the court yeah. would not find itself in a position to legislate. The fact that the exactly. court is in a position to legislate um, is is where this problem begins. Um, yes, it's also yeah. a problem that these justices took upon themselves um, this legislative uh, authority or function, which does not belong to them. Um, so right. I think those are some of the nuances of the conversation that we want to be sure we highlight today. Yeah. Um, because people are going to and, hear yeah. some pretty strong um, criticism of particularly the conservative justices who who sided here uh, to form the majority. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, and, and, you know, I, I'm you know, I, I agree with you on uh, where the legislative work is uh, supposed to be done in Congress and and what the role of the court is. Sadly, we just don't live in that world where Congress is functioning uh, on on that kind of level. And so you have conflicts that by design, are supposed to rise up to the Supreme Court. And so uh, what I do appreciate about the Roberts Court is they do tend to try to uh, make as narrow decisions as possible, which is different than an earlier era of the court. Uh, The short of the Supreme Court ruling on DACA is basically that uh, the administration has the authority to uh, discontinue it, but that it didn't do it in the right way. So this is, you know, you're going to, to really fully understand it, you kind of have to dive down into the legal minutia of it all. Uh, The point is, we still need a solution for um, uh, uh, children of immigrants um, who came here uh, by no fault of their own. And frankly, Carmen, like of all the immigration debate things, this is like the easiest one to get people on board with. Uh, but uh, politics gets involved and uh, they hold it hostage uh, for the sake of other policy um, gains in Congress. That's what's happened. We've seen it multiple times. Uh, it's really sad. So on one hand, DACA continues for now, but nothing's still resolved for these folks. Um, nothing's been really resolved, uh, which is really sad. Uh, it's a sad state of our governance.
All right. So when we come back, we got to Sorry, take a very brief break. When we come back, no, no, you're good. When we come back, I'm going to continue my conversation with Matt Hawkins. Um, love to pivot to a piece of legislation that is now uh, before at least the Senate. Um, Senator Tim Scott advocating for the Justice Bill or the Justice Act. Uh, it's the most ambitious GOP policing reform proposal um, that we've seen in years. Tim Scott has a an op-ed today in the USA Today. He had a conversation with Greg Laurie. Really, a lot of advocacy here for a God solution to the justice reform that we need here uh, in the United States of America. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation with Matthew Hawkins, you can find him at... MatthewTHawkins.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at MTHawk. Um, I want to read a portion of um, the conversation between Senator Tim Scott and Greg Laurie sure. uh, on, the, on, on the topic of the proposed Justice Act. Um, so Greg yeah. Laurie and, and Tim Scott um, agree that we need a God solution to the justice reform mm-hmm. problem. Um, so let me just uh, let me read some of Senator um, Scott's comments here. Because when we start talking about character-driven law enforcement, we start talking about the need for uh, a God-established variety of law enforcement. Um, I think we are, we are we're sort of in the wheelhouse of the conversation that we want to be having as Christians. So Tim Scott yeah. says, I can be pro-law enforcement and pro-communities of color. You can be both. God is not colorblind. He actually loves diversity, embraces diversity, and we should too. We should treat each other according to Matthew 22, verse 39. We should treat each other as we would want to be treated. So clear allusion there to um, to the golden rule. And then this uh, South Carolina senator goes on. He's, he shares that ultimately uh, his relationship with Christ is the motivating factor and the strengthening factor for him in this long-term ongoing fight against racism. He said this. So if we're going to treat the subject correctly, we have to view it not from my view up, but from the Lord's view down. And that's the best way for us to make progress in this nation. Unfortunately, most of us are just picking sides. So choose the Lord's side. And I don't mean to be overly religious, because in my opinion, this is actually not about religion. This is about a personal relationship that transformed the way I see others, because it first transformed how I see myself. And if I will take that new transformed self who before I was saved was filled with iniquity, driven by sin and driven by uh, instinctional luxuries or lust, so to speak, he continued. Now, as a born-again believer, I'm driven by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I don't look for a black solution or a white solution or a blue solution. I look for a God solution. And that means I have to start there, end there, and in the middle, stay there. Um, If you want to see the whole uh, video of Greg Laurie and Tim Scott having this conversation, you can check it out at faithwire.com. Um, it, that's the that's the heart of the man who is on yeah. the forefront of the GOP's effort to bring uh, a genuine reform to uh, to justice and, and policing in this country. Just, you know, tell me what you see uh, happening here and how you respond. Yeah, uh, it's some pretty fascinating uh, developments. Uh, and uh, like like Tim Scott, um, his office was a delight to work with when, we, when I was in Washington. Good to see him taking the lead on this. Um, what I caution folks about, and we can talk a little bit about the reform package that um, that they're bringing forward. Um, 
what I want to caution, uh, we white evangelicals, uh, we white Christians in America, um, we really like that language about uh, from Tim Scott about a personal relationship with Jesus and how racism is sinful and it's, it requires uh, hard work and uh, and and uh, you know revelation and, and correction and forgiveness from God. All of that with we agree. Um, the problem is with a lot of white Americans, and frankly, uh, myself included, uh, in in past years. That's where we stopped on racism. Uh, we chalked it up to a spiritual issue that it was a personal issue, and as long as you yourself were not, uh, you know, racist and uh, you know, ex- exhibiting behavior of the KKK, uh, then we were all right. Um, the problem is, it's more than a heart issue. Um, it's a public issue, um, as we have. Uh, we're learning more and more. We're in a season where white Americans like me are learning more and more about how different the experience of Black Americans really is from our own, uh, and a lot of that has to do with policing. And uh, I think we have an obligation, for the sake of uh, loving our neighbor, uh, to figure out where there are holes in, in our systems of governance and, of, and other things. And I think we need to uh, build on what uh, Senator Scott uh, eloquently said uh, about our hope, all, our, for, particularly as Christians, our ultimate hope for, for um, uh, healing and reconciliation um, is through God. Uh, in the meantime, there are a whole host of other issues, sinful heart issues, uh, for which we do engage public policy. Uh, abortion at some level is a heart issue. Um, religious persecution is a heart issue. Uh, we could go down the list of uh, all all the uh, you know drug abuse. That's <laughs> that's a that's a hell or that's a heart issue. Um, or addictions, uh, gambling. It's a heart issue. Uh, and yet all these issues are issues that uh, my my folks of uh, white Christians, white evangelicals, um, frequently engage uh, the public policy debate. And we uh, I think we owe it to our African American brothers and sisters um, to engage for the sake of uh, uh, love of neighbor uh, and to make sure that their experience, their American experience, um, is as good as ours. Um, the, the disparities that we're learning about over the last few months uh, are really, really stunning. Um, and uh, thankfully, Tim Scott and others are, are beginning to lead at the federal level for uh, some police reforms. Well, and it seems like on this Juneteenth, it's a good day for those of us who are white to learn something new about um, our nation's history that maybe we didn't know before. And so um, maybe you don't even know what Juneteenth is or why it is being celebrated and commemorated today. Just encourage you to just Google that if you want to check out what the Colson Center has written up. That's a um, that's a really helpful introduction to Juneteenth. Maybe you don't know why there um, are communities um, of generational poverty in this country. Maybe you're not familiar with the, um, the, the government practice of redlining. Maybe you actually do think that every school is similar. Actually do some research mm-hmm. about um, yeah. the educational opportunities and how different um, those opportunities are depending on the zip code you live in in America. Um, this isn't just about individual personal uh, r- racism in our hearts. I, I agree right. with Matt. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, this is about getting to the place where we understand that that 
just because um, the Civil War was fought and ended with an Emancipation Proclamation does not mean that from that point forward, um, everyone in this country has been treated equally nor equitably, nor um, had similar opportunities, nor... Um, nor the the possibility of rising out of poverty. It there are um, there are reasons that we are in the situation that we are in today, um, and it's more than just lamenting with our black and brown uh, brothers and sisters. It is about listening. It is about learning. Yes. It is about loving in tangible ways, and it is about leveraging um, the the power that we do have. Uh, as white evangelical Christians in the conversations of the day. So, Matt, as always, um, thanks so much for what you do each and every day. Um, thanks for your ongoing podcast, uh, which is also Across a Difficult Isle. Remind people um, remind people about that. Crossingfaithsplural.com. Crossingfaiths.com. Uh, it's my uh, podcast with my Muslim friends. So you have a Christian and a Muslim talking religion and politics. Yeah, just in case, you know, you didn't have enough dicey things going on to talk about today. Hey, thanks, man. We really appreciate it. Nothing controversial here. Hey, thanks. Have a blessed day. Thanks. We'll be right back. All right, and now for something totally different. Dan DeWitt is back today. Uh, He is back from his trip on Route 66 across the country with his sons. Uh, and it wasn't just your average Route 66 adventure. It was also an adventure uh, of the survey of the 66 books of the Bible. So we're going to talk about the Route 66 survey of the 66 books of the Bible and what happens the one time you turn off Route 66 and get off the path. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. It's all too easy for parents to get sidetracked right when their child needs them the most. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. During my high school years, I don't remember engaging much with my parents. But families should be spending more time together as they get older, not less. The teen years are when things get busy with school and extracurricular activities and when parents hit the peak of their demanding careers. Are you checking out your child's life in a critical moment? Well, today, spend some quality time together. Insist on taking your teen out for breakfast or lunch and make it a habit. And when you do, it tells him you were worth spending time with. And I will always pursue you, no matter what. Mark Gregson is devoted to helping parents of struggling teens. For more helpful parenting resources, go to parentingtodaysteens.org. Parentingtodaysteens.org. Joining me now via Skype is Dan DeWitt. You can find everything we're talking about today at Theolatte.com. That's like uh, God and a good cup of coffee, Theolatte.com. Dan, welcome back. Thanks, Carmen. Good to be with you. All right. This is going to be really fun. So uh, (laughs) you and your boys just took a trip on Route 66. I just want you to give us a recap and uh, and then we'll get into the conversation about the survey of the 66 books of the Bible. Yeah, we had a blast. So my twins turned 13 in October and sitting at my parents' house celebrating their birthday, my mom commented, so what are you going to do for their 13 
you know, their 13th birthday trip. And I, that's now a thing, I guess. And um, so just on the fly, I said, well, I'm taking them on Route 66. And we just started planning it. So it, was, it wasn't real intentional from the beginning. And um, so we planned two weeks to be on Route 66. And we had a lot of adventures and a whole lot of fun and saw a whole lot of different things. We were in 10 states. When it comes to coronavirus, there are some states that you would never know there's a pandemic going on. Uh, but we were more concerned about seeing historical markers like the big blue whale and things like that. <laughs> so you made uh, one one important departure from Route 66, and it's a good opportunity to talk about why um, we should stay on the path. So can you share the story of the one departure from Route 66? Oh, my goodness. So we're thankful to be alive. We'll start with that. <laughs> and because um, there were these moments where we thought, you know, we're an hour into nowhere with no one around. What happened is we decided to deviate from Route 66. Um, it was part of our plan. We wanted to go back up through Colorado Springs to see family. And so we went and saw the Grand Canyon and had planned to cut across over to Utah. Um, we were going to stay in um Moab, Utah, speaking of biblical references, and um, the the road, the highway was under construction, and it wanted to send me back to Flagstaff, Arizona. It was going to add a couple hours of a detour, and I thought, you know, I'll just drop a pin on the highway on the other side of the construction and see if it will route me around it, and sure enough, it did. I followed Google Maps to my peril, and it turned us off onto a gravel road, and after an hour of driving on this bumpy, horrible, boulder-infested, pothole-filled road, um, we ended up about a mile from the highway. And we also ended up working our way down a mountain and got stuck. <laughs> and fortunately, um, you know, there, there was a guy who was willing to come and fish you out. You learned something about insurance. You also learned something about roadside assistance, neither of which apply after you have left the paved road. I found that informative uh, in yes. your post. Again, we're, I'm talking with Dan DeWitt. You can actually read um, the, the chronicle of what we're talking about today at <laughs> theolatte.com. Uh, we're talking about the, the trip he took with his twin 13-year-old boys on Route 66, and Dan, um, I want to, um, well, first of all, we're glad that God saved you, even though you deviated from the path. God, yes. uh, God chose to send help from the outside. There's all kinds of things we could point to in the story. Yeah. Um, but one of the, one of the really great things that you did was you used this Route 66 experience to do a survey of the 66 books of the Bible. So can you just, just talk about that, maybe the inspiration behind that and, um, and how you put it together? And then we've got time to talk, uh, talk a little bit, um, you know, about, uh, about that process as well. Yeah, so I, as I was thinking through the trip, and it was so much fun to plan out, you know, we, we even stayed at Motel 6, you know, to keep with this theme. Of um, that, you know, of, there was one Motel 6 we pulled up to and canceled and moved on to a different hotel. But for the most part, it was a great experience. But I thought, you know, it'd be neat to add some meaningful, um, intentional Bible study part to the trip. And um, and then it just hit me, well, duh, there's 66 books of the Bible. Um, what better time to study the 66 books? A survey, um, not in-depth, but just a survey of the 66 books of the Bible. And um, so I— 
worked through, um, I planned 11 days of Bible study material because we were going to be with family. And I thought this way, even though it's a two week trip, that'll kind of accommodate that. And if you do it in 11 days, that's six verses a day. So we broke it up to where at, at every meal, um, after the meal, the kids would open their Bibles. They would write down by hand two of the verses, um, a verse from each book of the Bible. And then we would talk about them. I had a few questions that they would ask about each book of the Bible. And um, it was it it really surprised me how much my twins got into that. We got them a couple of just generic notebooks that they ended up covering in Route 66 stickers. And those journals are now filled with their handwritten notes. They're, you know, writing down scripture, writing down their thoughts on scripture. And it was it was great. It was far better than I, I thought it was going to be. Uh, the pictures are wonderful. I appreciate um, that you've chronicled your trip that way as well and that you shared those with us. Um, again, you guys can find this. I know you're now you're now excited to, to go and check this out at Theolatte.com. Um, Dan has graciously posted uh, a ton of the material there from his Route 66 survey of the 66 books of the Bible and his experience with his boys adventuring across Route 66. You didn't make it all the way. Um, so, Dan, I'm, I, I know that we're going to we're all going to be um, waiting for the next installment when you finish finish the rest of the route. Um, but you you did this very intentionally. Maybe we could um, just take a minute here to talk about uh, the process each day. What are the questions that you were asking of each passage as you arrived? Well, one of the things I wanted to do was for—I wanted my kids to get a feel for what that book of the Bible was about. So the first question is, what's this verse about? The second question is, how does it fit into that book of the Bible? Knowing that they're not going to read you know, the entire Bible in 11 days— I just encourage them to look at the chapter headings, look at any little study notes. If they both have apologetic study Bibles from B&H that are really great. And so I told them, look at the introduction to the book. Um, you'll get a good idea for it. And then the final question that I had them ask um, was, how does this fit into the big storyline of the Bible? And the way I described it, just to put it in my own words, um, you know, if you talk to different theologians, they're going to have a different kind of motif, but they're all going to be very similar in terms of what's a summary of the Bible. And what I taught them was God created us to live in his presence and be satisfied with his goodness. That's the story of creation. That's what God created us for. And that's really the story of redemption, that God's leading us back into his presence. So to be satisfied with his goodness. And we would talk about how sin is turning away from wanting to be in God's presence and turning away from being satisfied with his goodness and looking for other things. And so they would always ask, how does this verse point to the fact that God made us for himself? Um, so part of what I was reminded about um, in in reading uh, particularly the tips that you offer when you got uh, when you get to tip number seven. And again, if you guys want to read the whole thing, you just go to theolatte.com. Um, you say be creative. You might not be able to hit Route 66 like we did, but you could incorporate this into some other trip you're making. Find a little diner that feels like it would fit on Route 66 uh, to kick off uh, this this part of the study or this or to end your study. I was reminded um, about uh, the the book or the little study about dads doing donut dates with their daughters. Hmm. And um, and so I do think um, because he I mean, I just I seem to recall this conversation about how, you know, I know that there's a hole that is 
that she, that's in her, right? And right now I'm her mm. daddy and I'm filling that, but someday somebody else is going to fill that. And in between, you know, I want to be sure that that, that that hole is filled um, with the gospel and with God and a desire for godliness and goodness. And so he, he started this series of just these donut dates with his daughter. Um, when we're encouraging people to be creative, this is about it's deeply personal. This is a deeply personal way of engaging the scriptures and engaging your kids um, and meeting them at that point of intersection. That's what this feels like. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things we're going to do with, I love that idea of the donut dates, um, is we're now going to go back through the 66 books of the Bible as a family and just do one verse a week. And my wife and I are just going to, so in 66 weeks, so a little over a year, We'll go back over this material and and have a little more time to give an explanation. Here's what this book of the Bible is about, and then to have a kind of theme verse. But it's, it is really all about intentionality, um, and for all of us, with our own souls, with our families, to be intentional and to be in God's Word. Um, we don't naturally gravitate that way. We're going to gravitate towards other things. And if we don't have some way we're forcing ourselves to delight in Scripture— will neglect it. All right. I'm talking with Dan DeWitt. We are talking about his Route 66, or Route 66 adventure with his uh, twin 13-year-old boys and their survey of the 66 books of the Bible. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. Gallup, New Mexico, Flagstaff, Arizona, don't forget Winona, Continuing my conversation with Dan DeWitt, we are talking about the trip that he took with his two twin 13-year-old boys on Route 66 for 11 days. Well, actually 16 days, but 11 days is the uh, is the Bible study portion of this. Uh, Dan conceived of and is sharing with us the Route 66 survey of the 66 books of the Bible. You can find it at Theolate. Dot com. Dan, um, I just thought that maybe we just like lift up day one so people sort of get a sense of what you did. So we've got Genesis 6-6, Exodus 6-6, Leviticus 6-6, Numbers 6-6, Deuteronomy 6-6, and Joshua 6-6. It's not like you, you know, you said, okay, we're going to do the 66 books of the Bible, and I am going to choose the the verse from each book that most exemplifies the theme of that book. No, no, you actually <laughs> just did the chapter six, verse six, if it existed, and in some in some cases, um, the sixth verse of the first chapter, if there's not six chapters in a book. So we start with Genesis 6, 6. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. I mean, yeah. that was the first verse you did in your Route 66 survey of the Bible. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's funny because as we work back through it, doing one, one book of the Bible a week for the next 66 weeks, um, we're going to be a bit more intentional and go and find, you know, what we think is a good summary verse. But it was funny on occasions where the, the verse that would just be 6-6, Route 66, of course, knowing the chapter numbers and verse numbers aren't inspired, they were added much later. Um, but it was funny how sometimes those verses were just like spot on. And in terms mm -hmm. of the theme of the Bible, that God created us for his presence, this verse just shows the heart of God <laughs> to be with his people and how, as C.S. Lewis once said, to smuggle in a Lewis quote, that human history is the, the sad tale of humans trying to find something other than God to make them happy. 
And Genesis 6, 6 reminds us of that. So we read that and talked about how, how heartbreaking it is that we always want, we have a um, fatal attraction for a forbidden fruit. We're always drawn to something other than God to try and make us happy. And the story of the Bible is God continually reminding us of what we're created for. And then the Exodus 6, 6 verse, uh, therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Uh, it occurs to me, Dan, that, you know, you were doing this with your boys and uh, conversations about justice and slavery were in the headline news of the day. It, um, yeah. it all seems very timely. Yeah, and you know, again, it's a reminder. God will do whatever it takes in in the lives of His people and in our lives as individuals to remind us of what we're created for. And when we turn from Him, um, all of us, when we turn from Him and take what is not good and call it good, take that which is evil and call it good, um, God's going to bring us through rough times to remind us that we are created for more. We're created for Him, and the arc of history is it's headed towards the. Um, a monumental event in which Jesus comes to return us to God's presence and to make all things right, to make all the injustices right. And as believers, we not only long for that day, but we're to actively participate in in that, um, to actively participate in justice. Leviticus 6.6 and number 6.6 give us opportunities, I think, to talk about uh, priests, to talk about priestly, yep. the priestly function, which you know, we, we all initially had in the Garden of Eden and gave up when we uh, were driven out. But um, what that looks like, the, the blood sacrifice, um, what it looks like to be dedicated to the Lord um, and rules and regulations related to that, what it would really mean to be holy. And then we get the commandments, a, a reference to mm-hmm. the commandments in the Deuteronomy 6, 6 passage. And then in Joshua 6, 6, we get, so Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. There's just all kinds of yeah. uh, of easy entry points into conversations about what's going on between God and his people um, in, in this process. So I'm just wondering, you know, so a few thoughts in retrospect. We've got a couple of minutes left. Just share with us um, some of your thoughts in retrospect about this experience and then looking forward um, to this week by week conversation you're going to have with your entire family. Well, it, for me, it was it was deeply, um, it, I want to say convicting, but also just a massive blessing to just take a step back from the Bible and not be, you know, down in all the all the details, which are glorious and wonderful. But it is helpful sometimes to step back and to look at this beautiful picture of how God made us to live in his presence and be satisfied with his goodness, um, how we um, grieve the heart of God in our sin how we can in, in, endure all kinds of suffering as a result of others' sins, as a result of our own sin. But even in the midst of that, that it's pointing us back to God's presence. And as we ended that first day in Joshua, you have the Ark of the Covenant, which was a symbol of God's presence with his people. And so my reflection on this is, one, you'll never regret intentional time you spend with your kids. You're going to regret a lot of time that you're not intentional. And if you can make sure that there's scripture in it, I think there's times just to go have fun for the sake of having fun. But if you'll make sure that there are moments at which you're pointing them, as as it says in Deuteronomy 6.6, that God has given us commands 
that are to be on our hearts, that as we allow God's Word to be imprinted on our hearts, as we intentionally try to imprint that on the lives and hearts of our children, that that's a glorious, wonderful thing. And if you don't have kids, um, then there's all kinds of ways that you can minister this with other people. So I would just encourage you, find yourself in Scripture, remind yourself of the big story of Scripture. Life is a journey. Let's listen to the right voices. Let's center our life around the reliable guide of God's Word. Dan DeWitt, um, as always, thank you so much. This is a delight. Thank you for the gift of um, of these resources. And again, we're going to send people to theolatte.com. I know everybody is going to want to uh, want to check it out and download it and all that good stuff. So, Dan, um, thank you, as always, for joining us and for sharing what God's doing in and through you. Genuinely Thanks, appreciate Carmen. it. Thanks, Carmen. Thank you. We'll be right back. All right, this weekend is full of opportunities for you to bring the gospel to bear on just not only the headline news, but just everyday conversations that you're going to be having. So in addition to today being Juneteenth, which let me encourage you to do a little research on uh, on what Juneteenth means, what it's all about, maybe learn some history with which you were not particularly familiar. Uh, 621 coming up, that is the summer solstice. So it's the longest day of the year wants you to maybe consider turning in scripture to the day the sun stood still or talk with your family about what it means to live on this side of Easter where the sun genuinely never sets. Uh, He has risen. He has risen. Indeed, Easter changes everything. Lots of opportunities to talk about, uh, you know, what what we do in the light of Christ how it how is it that the son of god s o n is illuminating you what does it mean to be a person who is operating in the spirit of the one who is the very light of the world what does it mean for you and i to shine like lights in a perverse and dark generation and then of course it's also father's day uh, what does it mean for you to look to god the father what does it mean to pray to our father who art in heaven what does it mean to acknowledge the reality that uh, every single one of us are brothers and sisters in in the spirit of Christ, those who have come to him and acknowledge him as Savior and Lord. Indeed, we have one God and one Father of us all. It is from one Father from whom every single one of us derives our name, Father's Day. Uh, celebrate it with the Lord. we got a whole other hour coming up next. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.